How many are ready for the word? Awesome, awesome. Let's jump right in. Go ahead, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, very familiar passage of scripture tonight. Quick review, last week we started, or we, we jumped into the one series uh, by focusing on give one. And we talked about first fruits. Uh, the title of last week's message was one is always first. One is always first. Some takeaways from that were number one, as simple as it may seem, always put God first. Always put God first. That seems simple, but it's not easy. Amen. We don't need to fit God in. We need to start with him. We don't need to fit God in. We need to start with him. And we don't need to compete with him. He is God, and he is first, and he is first in our lives. And so we need to put him back in that place. Number two, the first sets the pattern for the rest. The first always sets the pattern for the rest. We learned also that first fruits belong to God. And finally, we learned that honoring the Lord with first or honoring the Lord with first fruits releases abundance into our lives. So tonight, we're going to pick up where we left off last Wednesday and really jump into this idea. One is always first. Go ahead and put that in your comments right now. One is always first. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first, somebody say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? We'll talk about them in a few minutes. All these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. One is always first. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. We put you first right now. I ask that you help me teach this word. God, open the minds and spirits and hearts of your people as the word is delivered, God, that they would hear and be transformed. They would hear and change. That they would hear and strongholds would come down. They would hear and mindsets would be broken. God, liberate your people. And help us to walk in your principles. Your principles always produce progress. Your principles always enhance purpose. And so we ask that you teach us your principles tonight and help us to walk in them. Amen and amen. One is always first. We'll, we'll title this part two. How about that? <laughs> One is always first, part two. Uh, I said this last week, and this seems like a real trite statement, but I'm going to say it again and, and kind of put a little bit around it. You can't get to two. Unless you go through one first. You can't get to two unless you go through one first. Now, that seems silly and it seems obvious. But the reality is a lot of us try to get to eight, nine, and ten, and we haven't even gotten past one yet. Uh, the example I used last week is that we like to set goals and resolutions at the front end of a year. And we set expectations on ourselves based on those goals and resolutions. And we get disappointed because we don't reach our expectations. And the reality is we're trying to get to 10 before we ever went through the process of counting through the rest of the sequence. So you always have to go through one to get to two. It's simply put, take life one step at a time. Change happens one step at a time. The old axiom says you can't eat, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, Right? And so there's also this principle of one degree, one degree. So you ask, how can I change my life? How can I turn my life around? How can I make a 180-degree turn in my life? 
You don't do that by making the decision today and then tomorrow you're completely different. I can't decide to lose weight and be thin tomorrow. That does not happen. It is impossible. Trust me. I tried. Didn't work. Okay? Woke up this morning and I looked just like I looked yesterday. But it does happen one degree at a time. What's, not, what's, what's hard is to turn 180 degrees in one fell swoop. What's not hard is to change one degree at a time. If you change one degree at a time in 180 days, you've turned your entire life all the way around. I want to encourage you. One is always first. Go through the sequence step by step and watch God bring change into your life. And so there's a reason why. God says things first, and there's a reason why he does things first. There's a reason why. Because the principle that we established last week is that the first establishes the pattern for the rest. So an example would be in Judges chapter 1, the question is asked, who shall go up against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And we know the next verse because it's so popular. Send Judah first. Send Judah first. The word first here literally means to open up. To open up. And this is where we get the idea that Judah has an opening anointing. Who is Judah? Judah means, we all know, it means praise. It also means an open hand. Meaning it's a person ready to receive. And so God knows and he sets the pattern By sending Judah first. Why? Why? Because first has with it the ability to open things. To open things. They sent praise first because praise can break down the wall. Praise is a plow. That's why we do praise and worship first. Because what it does is it breaks down all the mess that we carried all day long or all week long. And it gets us down to a place where we're ready to receive from the Father. That's why we praise and worship first. That's why we send it first. So what's the principle? The principle is first opens the way for the rest. First opens the way for the rest. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. So what is first? First is being number one in a series or earliest in time. This is review. First is foremost in importance. In other words, it's before anything And everything else. Are you with me? First is fundamental. It's the primary rule or principle on which everything else is based. It's fundamental. We build off of that. It's foundational. It's foundational. It's the basis for which something is established. That's what first is. And so God demands the position of first. God demands this position. So when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? He's trying to be stumped by the, by the Pharisees and the lawyers and the Sadducees in this moment. And they're trying to stump him. And Jesus admonishes them right off the bat. Listen to what he says. Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. We're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight. Jesus answered them and said, the first of all commandments is, listen to this. Hear, O Israel. Hear, people of God. The Lord your God is one Lord. He's not many lords. There's not many avenues to get to him. He's one Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can get to the Father except through me. 
He is first. God is first. He's one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What? This is the first commandment. This is the first commandment. So all the other commandments can't even be acted upon. You won't even be able to fulfill the commands of the Lord if you can't fulfill this one first. Because this one sets the pattern for the rest. This one also opens the way for the rest. Everything else is counterfeit. Everything else is superficial. Everything else is manufactured. Everything else is not authentic to what God has for you and for your purpose in the earth. Make him first. God demands the position of first. Here's, here's something else we all also need to know. A lot of us understand these things, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the foundational principles of God. That's what first is. It's foundation. So I'm going to read a bunch of scripture right now because I want you to know that God said these things. This is in the word of God. This isn't good thinking or good thoughts. This is the word of God. Okay? All first belongs to God. All, put that in your comments. All first belongs to God. The first time of the year belongs to God. Exodus 12, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, the first month. And it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, or the people of God, saying... In the tenth day of this month, you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb per house. So in the first month of the beginning of the year, sacrifice is required. Sacrifice is required. Why? Because all first belongs to God. Anything successful, in, in its, anything successful was sacrificial somewhere in its history. If you want to have a successful year, sacrifice this month. Amen? First month belongs to God. The firstborn belongs to God. Exodus 13, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both man and of beast, it belongs to me. It is mine. Numbers 3.13. Because all the first fruits are mine... For on that day I smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt. I hallowed unto me all the firstborn of Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. They belong to me. So the firstborn belongs to God. What I just told you is the first of all your increase belongs to him. Okay, the first dough. Numbers 15, verse 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land I bring you to, when you walk into your purpose... When you walk into your place, when you walk into the space that God assigned for you, uh, 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 say this. When you come into the land I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up to the, to the Lord a heave offering. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough and for an heave offering. And you should do the heave offering of the threshing for, so shall you heave it. Of the first of your dough, you shall give unto the Lord a heave offering in your generation. Stay with me. I'm going through some word right now, but this is a setup for where we're going, okay? The first spoil belongs to God. Jericho was the first battle the Israelites 
faced when they walked into the promised land. And God said all the devoted things should not be touched. Joshua chapter 6. Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking them. Because they are sacred to the Lord. The first spoil belongs to God. First Fruits belong to the Lord. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord. Exodus 34, 26. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Leviticus 23. You shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priests or into the house of the Lord. Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with all of your increase and with the first fruits of... Uh, Honor the Lord with all of your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. You bring it to the Lord. So the, the point here is to establish that God demands that we bring him and give him and put him first. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whose? His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We're going to talk about three things tonight. We're going to talk about direction. We're going to talk about distractions. And we're going to talk about distinction. Okay? We're going to talk about those three things. So let's, let's jump right into this. We're going to talk about direction for a few, just a few minutes here. This verse starts with these words. Seek ye first. Seek. Literally means what you're looking for, what you're searching for. It has to do with vision. It has to do with what you're looking at. Vision determines your direction. If you have no vision, you need a guide to get where you're going. If you cannot see, you cannot make any progress. All you're doing is guessing. I used to say, uh, this, I can't necessarily say it here, but I used to say that when I would get to the church and all the lights were off, there was a door I used to go through at Place for Life when I was working there. There was a door in the back I used to go through and it would open right into the sanctuary. And so I would walk in there and every morning the lights obviously would be off. It'd be pitch black. And when I walked into that sanctuary, I knew that place so well that without my flashlight from my phone, or of any light whatsoever, I could walk right through that sanctuary, go right into the lobby, and right up to my office. I would do that every single day. Then one day, some genius decided to stack all the chairs. And not just stack them in one place, stack them randomly all throughout the sanctuary. So I walk into the church door. I walk right through the sanctuary, down the little path I know to walk that I know it's clear. But because I have no vision, because I cannot see, man, I walked face first right into that stack of chairs. I knocked them down. I bloodied my nose. I was a mess. And then I was just kind of stammering through the sanctuary. It took me 15 minutes to get up out of that room. And I was mad. I was frustrated. I was, whose fault is this? I can't believe they did this to me. This is always this way. It's always set in this sequence. I can walk through this a hundred million times and never walk into anything. Somebody messed this up. The reality is it was my fault for not walking through there with any vision. And we do that. We do that in our life. We get accustomed to the darkness. 
we get accustomed to the way things are. We get accustomed to the way it feels. And so just because we cannot see because of our familiarity with the place, we feel like we're doing great. But in this section of our life or in this season of our life, we're okay with the darkness that's on us because we're familiar with it. And we can navigate our way through it. But Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. When you have that kind of attention, because what you're looking at is what, ha- what, get- what grabs your attention. That's what has your attention. And so the question is, what it has my attention? What am I looking at? And where is it leading me? Seek ye first. It implies a singular focus or an unwavering trust. Seek ye first. It implies that this is what I'm going to look at and I'm going to trust it's going to get me where I need to go. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by who? The Lord. The Lord. Far too often we try to order our own steps and expect a result that we're never going to get. The Lord is the only one that's going to produce the steps in that direction that you need. What you are looking at will determine your direction. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The reason many of us get off track is because we get distracted we get distracted so i want to i want to go back a few verses here and really talk about what jesus was saying in this context first of all uh, this this popular verse seek ye first the kingdom of god comes out of the sermon on the mount and it's many chapters long i believe it starts in verse uh, chapter 5 i think might even start in chapter 4 goes all the way through chapter 8 goes all the way through chapter 8, verse 1, I believe. And there was a multitude with him. So there was a lot of people with him as he's delivering this. And he goes through a lot of stuff. But right in the middle of it, he stops and, and spends special time with this, with this group of people. Why? Because there was a lot of them there. And he needed them to come to this understanding. So let's, let's go back a few verses. We'll start in verse 25. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you? By worrying, there's a key word, worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor and spin or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. 
or the people that don't follow me run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows what you need, knows that you need them. Need what? All these things they're worried about. Are they legitimate? Yes. Are they needs? Yes, these are not things we want. These are things we need. And God is saying, don't worry about it. These are things we need, not things we want. And he's telling you not to worry about it. And I would dare say that the majority of us worry more about the things we want than the things we need. If he's that stern about the things we need, how do you think he feels about the things you want? When he sees you fretting over it and worrying about it and getting anxiety in yourself. What is a distraction? A distraction means this, to cause to turn away from the original focus. To cause to turn away from the original focus. I think... I'd be understating it to say that the distraction of anxiety and worry are real. In the past few years, I would say that anxiety disorders and anxiety issues have reached an all-time high. And then that's before last year. That had already been happening. Then you add the advent of COVID and all the societal commotion and issues that are going on and I would say that that just magnified it probably a hundred percent to say that people are dealing with it in our culture and society dealing with anxiety and worry is an understatement that is just an understatement and many of you listening to me right now deal with it many of you have to struggle with it as a believer As a child of God, worry is not supposed to be imposed on us. As a believer, as a child of the king, as the child of God, it's not supposed to be something that we continually live with. Should we have gone through it? it Are we a sinner because we've dealt with it? Absolutely not. Because if we didn't deal with it, then how could we help those that are going through it? If we don't know how to gain victory over it, how can we teach somebody how to walk through that kind of season in life and come out better on the other side? We, so sometimes the afflictions that we face, I said this last week, are the purpose that was assigned to our life to begin with. Sometimes the trouble we walk through is that. But as a child of God, that is not something that should be imposed on us. It's a choice. It's a choice. And some say... Some say that it is a condition. And you know what? It very well may be. I would even agree with those that call it a condition. But it is a condition that is chosen into. A series of decisions either made by you or the people in your environment embed these thoughts, these ways, these things into you. And it creates anxiety and it creates this condition. But it's developed through a series of of choices. Anxiety and worry are rooted in fear. It's rooted in fear. It's, it's a scientific fact that the human uh, body and brain and, and soul, science, only produces real, two real emotions. And one of them is fear. The other is love. And out of those two things, and there's chemicals associated with those two things, and out of them come all the negative emotions 
and all of the positive emotions. Fear, anxiety, and worry are rooted in fear. God, 1 Timothy 1.7, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. God didn't give us that. He gave us the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Walking in power, walking in love, walking in a sound mind is a choice we make concerning the spirit that has influence in our life. Concerning the spirit that we yield ourselves to. Who are you yielding your life to? What are you yielding your life to? Destiny is predicated on decisions. Destiny is predicated on decisions. How you choose and what you choose will determine the direction of your life and the condition of your life. You are the sum total of all the decisions you've made in your life. Where you are presently as a result of the decisions you made. Destiny is predicated on decisions. The power of choice, here's what the power of choice is. It's an action. It's an action that you possess. So you have to take action to make a difference. A lot of people deal with things and they want to medicate out of it. They want to wait it out. They want to ignore it. None of those things will eradicate those, th- that anxiety and worry from your life. You have to choose your way out of it. And like I said at the beginning, it's not something that happens overnight. It happens one choice at a time. One choice at a time. So when it rears its ugly head, you tell it, I choose not to deal with you today. Because God gave me his spirit, which is a spirit of power, which means I have power over you. You do not have power over me. So today, I might deal with some of your side effects, but I want you to know I'm not submitted to you at all. And this is why we say that destiny can be delayed, but it is not denied. Because you can make a decision and change your life, right? You can make a bad decision and it change your life. But a series of good decisions will get you back on track. I tell my kids all the time, choose wisely. Choose wisely. One decision can change your life. One decision. It may seem small at the time, but a series of bad, small bad decisions become one big, big consequence. Tell them that all the time. So choose. A life that is driven by anxiety and worry never experiences fulfillment. You see, we all long for that. That's something we desire. That's the common denominator in the room here. We all have different experiences, life accomplishments. We're all in different places. We have different backgrounds, all of that. But no matter where you're from, how much money you make, what culture you're from, what state you're from, what job you have, what purpose uh, path you're on, it doesn't matter. We all share the same desire, and that is to live a fulfilled life. That's our desire. When anxiety and worry dominate, you can never get to that place of fulfillment because you're always reaching for what's next. You're never enjoying what's right here. You're always worried about what's coming and not faithing for what God has. So Jesus says, 
to the one consumed with worry, all these people, he says, you of little faith, listen to him, do not worry saying. So your action of worry is a product of what you're saying. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because your language will affect your vision. Your vision takes you where you're going, but your language will affect your vision. Romans tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's how faith comes to us. Fear comes to us when we're listening to things that are in opposition to the word of God. That's when fear steps in. So fear can grow the same way faith can grow. So my question is, what are you listening to? Change your inputs. Change your inputs. Change your inputs. Change your inputs. I can't say, put it in the comments. Change your inputs. Change what's being put into your life. Make the choice. One decision at a time. I'm not taking this anymore. So here's what you can do. If you haven't started with us on our 21 days, today's only day three. So you can join us tomorrow morning. And you can catch up because they're all on social media, all the posts. I don't know where to look in the word for what I need to hear from my life. First of all, we have an amazing pastor that preaches the word of God every Sunday in this pulpit. And the great thing about that man is he does not go find a book and come in here with somebody else's ideas. He seeks the Lord for this house and this people. He wants to know what God is saying to you. And he delivers it every Sunday. So that's number one. Number two, we have this month what we're going to do all 21 days of this prayer and fasting. We have a verse to go with everything that we're doing. I dare you to save it. Meditate on that word all day long and let that become life to your bones. It will create a practice in you and you'll be able to find it for yourself. I want to close this point. Distraction with these. uh, There's three quotes here I want to read from you. I had the privilege of hearing J.C. Watts speak Um, at another event, and he shared these, and I wrote them down as he was saying them because they were so powerful, and they just stuck with me, and I thought it was fitting. Here's the first one. Never allow your pursuit of a living to keep you from building a life. Never allow your pursuit of a living keep you from building a life. Never allow your desire to be different To eclipse your passion to make a difference. Never allow your desire to be different to eclipse your passion to make a difference. Finally, never allow the effort to impress to diminish your ability to make an impact. It is more important for you to make an impact than it is for you to impress somebody. Which leads us to our last point, which is the distinction here. The distinction. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because the reality is you have no righteousness our righteousness are as filthy rags in his sight we cannot fulfill the law that's why Jesus said he came to fulfill the law what does that mean what that means is everything the law demands Jesus took it on and fulfilled it why because we are not capable of doing it We have to have him governing 
in order for us to be successful, in order for us to fulfill those demands. We have to have him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So watch what Jesus says to them right before that. For pagans run after these things. Pagans worry. Pagans chase those worries. Those are the priorities to a pagan. And your heavenly father knows you need them. So why are you worrying about them? Our distinction rests in who we belong to. The difference between me and everybody else in the world is that I am blood-bought, sanctified, child of God. He selected me. I didn't select him. I just realized that he selected me. That's the testimony that we have. God chose us. He picked us. And he allowed us to become aware of his choosing. So the distinction is that we belong to him. The problem is we get caught in this cycle of comparison. The pagans do that. The pagans worry about that. We get caught in this crutch of comparison. We're comparing to others. We're comparing to where they're at. Where this person is at in their walk with Christ. What, the house this person bought. The car they're driving. The job that my brother just got. Whatever the case may be, we're always looking at others and saying, why can't I have that? Why can't I be that? Why can't I get there? It's a constant cycle of worry. And worry isn't always about, oh, what's going to happen to me? Sometimes worrying is just, I want that. And worrying about how I can get that. And we consume ourselves with it. We consume ourselves with it. The crutch of comparison will force you to lose your identity. You'll lose your whole sense of self because you're trying to be somebody else. And the pursuit God wants you on is somewhere else. You're blinded. You're not seeking first his kingdom because his steps are ordered for us. And then we compare against, you know, when we're comparing, it's comparing against inaccurate information. You don't know everything about everybody. You don't know the story they went through. You don't know what they had to walk to be where they're at. You don't know the struggles they went through. And maybe it looks good, but really behind the scenes, it's horrible. And you really don't want that. Comparison always leads to envy, leads to depression. It leads to low, low self-confidence, unrealistic expectations, stuff you can never live up to, negative outlook on others. I read this today concerning comparison, and I want, I'll, I'll leave this with you. The most important thing to understand is that there is a huge difference in energy and outcome between seeing other people's success and using that vision to inspire you versus beating yourself up mercilessly because you're not where they are. There's a big gap there. It's awesome to look at people and say, I want to be like that. It's good to aspire to that, but when it's making you Make neg have negative thoughts, when it's bringing you down, when you're not finding your purpose, your identity in Christ, it's going to create something. You're, you're spoiling your distinction. Now you're just everybody else. But God chose you. He put you here for such a time as this. He agreed with you in eternity past to this life and the purpose that you're supposed to accomplish. The steps that you're supposed to be ordered. Stop getting on other people's steps. Seek ye first the kingdom. The kingdom is a place and a people. It's a place and a people. It comes from two words, kings 
domain. Pastor Rick did a uh, teaching uh, some time back, and when he talked about kingdom, he talked about the fact that it, it represents three things, rule, royalty, and realm. There's borders in God's kingdom. There's a king. It's his domain in that kingdom. And there's a place. That's why we come to the house of God. Because this is his place. So we put it first. Right? As this house goes, so our house goes. And the rule of the kingdom comes alive in our life. What does that mean? When the king makes a decree, it belongs to us. So going back to inputs, what are you listening to? Because I know what he said. We got to remember what he decreed. So what are, what are some of the, these are just examples. What are some of the king's decrees? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's a decree over your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, He has plans for me. To prosper me and to give me hope. Ephesians 2.10. I am his workmanship created for good works. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.28. All things work for my good. So no matter how bad it is, it's working for me. Why? Because he said so. Romans 8.31. I am more than a conqueror. Through the one who loves me. That means I don't care what you're throwing at me, devil. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. 1 Peter 2.9, we're a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. Deuteronomy 28, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. These are what, this is what the king said about me. So anytime I start doubting and worrying and concerned about who I am, I remember there's a distinction on my life. God chose me. He picked me. He blessed me. I'm the head and not the tail. And it don't matter what's behind me, what's on me, what's around me. I know I'm going to make it through it. Why? Because he decreed it over my life. And all these things will be added unto you. Will be added unto you. Why will they be added unto you? Because you sought the kingdom first and his righteousness. That's the rule. There are rules in God's kingdom. There are rules in God's kingdom. God wants us to assemble ourselves together. That is a rule of God's kingdom. Why? Because when we gather together, he comes in and does something that he doesn't do outside of the gathering. That's a rule of the kingdom. A rule of the kingdom is Malachi 3. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. That is a rule of the kingdom. When we act on the rule of the kingdom, he opens up the windows of heaven for us. And pours us out such a blessing there's not room enough to receive it. A rule of the kingdom is honor him with our increase and with the first fruits of our increase. Why? So our barns will fill up and our vats will overflow. The king will always take care of his people. The king will always take care of his people. When we abide by the kingdom's rule, we enjoy poured out blessings. We enjoy the windows of heaven being opened to our life. That's not just, okay, the windows of heaven are opened over our life and so God is sending money to me. The windows, when the windows of heaven open over your life, you have 
the attention of heaven. And God opens what he put in you from eternity and he lets it come alive in your life. Creativity, ideas, thoughts, kind words. When you are in covenant with the Lord like that, when you seek him first and you encounter somebody at work that's going through something devastating, the windows will open and God will begin to speak through you. When you're going through a tough time, here's what I know. I've been a tither since I was a kid. I've followed that rule. Why? Because my dad taught it to me. He said, this is a rule of the kingdom, and I followed it. And no matter how rough things got, I was never without. I've been in some tough places. We were poor, but I was never without. God always took care of me. I'm still here. It's a testimony, and there's so many of you watching right now and in this room that can testify to that. You can look back over your life and say, I shouldn't be here right now. Shouldn't have what I have. Shouldn't live how I want to live. I should have died from that. I should be in jail. I should be strung out on drugs. And somehow God brought you through because you stuck with his kingdom. Sometimes we lose sight of that. And the seeking changes. And the seeking the kingdom and the seeking his righteousness are not discluded from our life. Because we're faithful people. We love God. And so it's not that we disclude it. It's just that we stop doing it first. And it's just part of our seeking. It's part of our walk. And it's not the distinction of our walk. Lift your hands in here. If you're at home, just raise your hands where you're at. God, right now, I rebuke fear. I rebuke anxiety. I rebuke worry. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. God, I use your word and I cast down any imagination that would exalt itself against you. And God, I take on your mind, the mind of Christ. And I ask you, Lord, help me. Help us to seek you first. It's our distinction. You hold our direction. Help us to eradicate the distractions. To push worry out of our mind. To have this undeniable, unwavering trust in you. That you have everything under control. No matter how hard it may seem, how dark it may get, how confusing things might be on the outside. We know we're okay because we're upheld by your hand. We submit our lives to you now. And we ask you to have your way in us this year as we set you first. God, open the way for the rest. Set the pattern for the rest. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I hope that... This word blessed you on this evening.